Hello and welcome to another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. My name is Andrei Matyshak and I work as the Deputy Head of Foreign Desk in Slovak Daily Pravda. How successful is the Israeli air defense system Iron Dome? How does this military technology work? What are the limitations of the Iron Dome? And how much does the system create an atmosphere of false safety? And what about related political implications? I have tried to find some answers to those questions with Franz Stefan Gadi. He's a research fellow for cyberspace and future conflict at the International Institute for Strategic Studies. Listen to our conversation. Technologically, is there anything specific, really specific about the Iron Dome system in comparison with similar air defense systems? Well, I think that's a great question. I think Iron Dome is probably the most effective short-range missile defense system in the world today. It it is uh, specifically designed to target unguided rockets and artillery shells that remain at a really low altitude. And Iron Dome can intercept artillery shells, rockets um, at an effective range of up to 70 kilometers, but it can also intercept missiles, artillery shells from distances as close as four kilometers. So it's quite quite an effective short range missile defense system. And perhaps just for the listeners in detail, any air defense system is really, really consists of three components. First of all, you have a radar system that detects um, the incoming rocket or artillery shell. Then you have a command and control system, which is also been referred to as a battle management system that processes information and makes the calculations for interception. And I think here, for example, Iron Dome is a very interested, uh, interesting and sophisticated technology because Iron Dome really only intercepts missiles or um, other projectiles whose trajectory really would take them to an Israeli populated area. So it makes calculations where missiles are either malfunctioning and hitting unpopulated areas. So it doesn't really launch an interceptor, which brings me really to the last component of this particular missile system, which is also the most prominent, obviously, which is the interceptor missile. And we've seen pictures of that over um, the night sky of Tel Aviv those missiles intercepting intercepting um, the rock incoming rockets from Gaza and so forth. So this is really a short range air defense system that is tailored towards unsophisticated, unguided rockets, artillery shells, and other projectiles such as mortars. It can't really intercept more sophisticated ballistic missiles, let's say ballistic missiles fired from Iran, there are other systems in Israel that are in place for that. You have, for example, the famous David Sling or the different um, systems of the Aero series, Barak 8 um, and other, other systems that Israel has been developing. And it's just important again to stress that it can't really intercept missiles, for example, from Hezbollah, like mid-range ballistic missiles and other precision guided weapons, right? So it's a, it's a system that is really tailored towards um, fairly unsophisticated rockets. How important is the fact that the Iron Dome 
is able to calculate the trajectory of the rocket or the projectile. It intercepts the missile based on a calculated trajectory that is uh, really calculated by the battle management system or um, the command and control system of, of, of Iron Dome, which is uh, tied to all, all types of uh, sensors and targeting radars. And um, so this is really, um, it makes fairly sophisticated calculations on the trajectory of, of these uh, intercepting missiles. And I think what's important to understand here is, is that it's essentially a game of, of, of cat and mouse, if you want to want to put it like that, between the, uh, Hamas and um, Islamic Jihad, who launches these missiles or rockets rather from Gaza and then the defend, defenders, right? Um, what we know publicly uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad launched about uh, like over 4,000 rockets and two thirds of these fairly unsophisticated and unguided rockets and projectiles failed to hit their targets. That is, they hit either unpopulated areas or um, were simply malfunctioning. But this still um, leaves about 1,200 12, rockets over 12 days, which is quite, quite, a, quite a big number and at the same time you only had about a dozen israeli death right so it speaks really to the sophistication of iron dome because supposedly it, it intercepted up to 90 percent of incoming projectiles uh, from the gaza strip but um i think it, it it points also to the fact that 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 it's fairly successful in in determining which which projectiles hit israeli population targets and which do not because there's obviously um, an imbalance between how much those um, unsophisticated weapons fired from the Gaza Strip cost. Rockets there or artillery shells can be as cheap as uh, $300 in comparison to around, um, I don't know, anything between forty dollars to $50,000 for an interceptor missile from Iron Dome. This, of course, um, is, is still a fairly expensive proposition for, for um, the militants and terrorists in the Gaza Strip um, when it comes to this, or even for, for Hezbollah, right, in, in southern Lebanon, firing these missiles against Israel. But, um, but there is a financial component also that should not be underestimated. And I think that's generally true these days for any sort of defense mechanisms against missiles in general. It's, it's often a lot more expensive to create these missile interceptors than it is for incoming, incoming um, missiles or missile systems and so i think there's inherent advantage for uh, the offensive side when it comes to all of this it's estimated that in the gaza strip um, there are around thirty thousand rockets and projectiles that can be fired um, against targets in israel so it's 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 fairly fairly difficult i think for Israel should be entirely relying on Iron Dome to intercept all of these rockets because Iron Dome, as we saw, can be overwhelmed by so-called saturation attacks. That is really barrages of rockets and artillery fire that can really overwhelm the system because not it, it's not an, it's not a hundred percent successful and, and and I think that's really important to understand that no missile defense system can be 100% successful. So there's always a way for one or a couple of missiles to get through. So is this the basically the biggest weakness of the system that you can basically just okay you can just send enough rockets and the system will be overwhelmed? Yeah, I think so. So I mean, this sort of quantity at some point develops a quality of its own. You um, really, I mean, one strategy is really to overwhelm 
well, let's say there are three basic strategies, right? On the one hand, you can really overwhelm the system with a saturation attack. That is, you fire dozens, hundreds of missiles at the same time, and then it's just you don't have enough interceptors to hit all these missiles. So that's one strategy. The second strategy that we've seen over the last couple of years, at least since the 2006 um, war, is, is tunnels, right? So essentially, uh, militants, terrorists emerge from tunnels in within Israel and fire fire their missiles and, and mortars and so forth, uh, discharge their weapons systems within Israel. And this is a problem because all the, the sensors are really targeted to Gaza, to the Gaza Strip, or really are, are, are mostly focused on intercepting missiles that are fired outside of Israel proper, right? So um, this is one way of undermining this, 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 this kill chain, so to speak. Kill chain means um, um, linking shooters and sensors in an air defense system, essentially. So that is, for example, radar with um, an interceptor battery. The other thing that you can do is just make it more difficult for um, Israeli sensors to detect the launch, right? So you really try to camouflage, you hide your launchers. And this also makes, uh, makes it difficult um, for interceptor missiles to really hit the target on time and at the right trajectory. I do think that the most important flaw in the system is though um, how it cannot really react to a saturation attack or how at least saturation attacks will be always successful if the right amount of uh, rockets and mortars are fired. So I think what you need in the future, what you need to pay attention to in the future is really this combination of, let's say, mortar strikes with unsophisticated rockets, but also what we've seen in during this conflict, for example, unmanned aerial vehicles, that is drones. Um, if they fly at very low altitudes, Iron Dome can't really intercept them and you need, you need, you need um, other means. For example, we've also heard reports of F-16s flying over these drones, shooting them down, engaging them with air-to-air missiles. Because um, if you fly at extremely low altitudes, or if you have um, drones with an extremely small radar signature, it's very difficult even for a system like Iron Dome to, inter to intercept them. So I think a combination of, of, of mortars, um, rockets, and then drones can definitely overwhelm Iron Dome. You are somehow reading my mind because I wanted to ask what can Iron Dome do against against drones, uh, but the system is not designed against drones. Am I right? Well, there are other um, there are other systems, so it can it definitely has the ability to intercept drones. But um, Israel also the Israel Defense Force also has other systems that are specifically targeted, uh, uh, well, ta tailored towards targeting drones. So it's not. I think it's generally a problem that we have now, you know, when, when we talk about UAVs and I think the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict and the conflict in Syria has contributed to this. And that is um, this idea that drones are uh, really, that we don't really have any countermeasures against drones in general. Um, when we talk about systems like the TB, TB2, um, Turkish, Turkish um, armed drone that has been very successfully deployed in Syria and Nagorno-Karabakh, um, here, I always say that this very well may have done a fairly decent and, and, and effective job during these conflicts, but these systems are really no match against integrated air defense systems such as Israel deploys. They're really no match against integrated air defense systems that Russia or the United States or any other great military power would actually deploy. So we have to be cautious about drawing the wrong conclusions here. They're fairly effective counter in place against drones. 
um, whether it's in the electromagnetic spectrum that is uh, jamming or even precision guided munitions, um, just to talk about the TB2, its effective range, I think, is about 200 uh, kilometers. So um, this can, you know, if you, if, you, um, if you hit the command and control station of a TB2, um, there's really that much that the TB2 can do once that is destroyed, right? It will either go down or could be fairly easily taken, taken down by, by air defense systems. And I think that's something that's been underestimated because Armenia, in the case of Nagorno-Karabakh, didn't really have the means to, to conduct long-range precision, long precision strikes. And then also in Syria, a lot of these oper uh, uh, command and control stations were in Turkey proper, right? So you couldn't really hit um, Turkish territory with long-range precision strikes, right? So, so I think I, I urge everyone to not draw generalizations from what we've seen over the last couple of months. It's definitely possible to, to target uh, drones. And um, Israel has also shown that it has um, the ability to do so during those 12 days of conflict now that we've seen um, last month. Interestingly, there was one case, at least one case I have read about, in which the Iron Dome shot down the IDF drone. Is it a big problem that the system was unable to recognize a technology from the own site? Oh, well, friendly fire is always a problem and there's, there have been multiple instances of, of that happening going back to uh, the 1980s when it came to the Aegis uh, Aegis combat system on the destroyer that hit him, um, hit a, an Iranian airliner, mistaking it for 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 an incoming um, Iranian fighter jet or Iraqi fighter jet, and then you had also um, a friendly fire during the first Gulf War, where um, Patriot um, batteries, um, air defense um, uh, missile defense batteries, shot down Allied aircraft. So this is happening uh, quite well on occasion, I would say. And one always has to do a proper investigation. So I don't really speculate why that was the case into what, what really happened there. Sometimes it's a leadership failure. Sometimes it's just getting the wrong data. Sometimes it's just drawing the wrong conclusions. And sometimes it's really um, a computer error or other, you know, other, other issues. Um, or it's really about not deconflicting the airspace or one unit not really knowing what the other unit is doing because of some some what Clausewitz called friction, which is always prevalent in 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 military conflict, right? So, but of course it happens. Yeah. How do you assess the ninety percent success rate of the Iron Dome? I have heard some people being a bit skeptical about it, but it seems that it, it is really working. Well, I mean, I I base this on. Um, the casualties, uh, civilian casualties on the Israeli side, you have about a dozen deaths there versus I think over 240 in the Gaza Strip. So this already tells you about this uh, disproportional uh, success rate of Iron Dome, right? Because Gaza, obviously the Palestinians uh, didn't really have any such uh, defense mechanisms against, against incoming Israeli airstrikes. I think it's fairly effective, but it's 90%, I cannot say. And I'm sure there are unclassif uh, well, classified assessments that will tell you the truth, but we just don't have access to that. Uh, are similar air defense systems trying to emulate uh, the Iron Dome? 
or not really? Well, I mean, yes, there's there have been talks in the United States, for example, to uh, in a you know to adopt this system. Um, but of course, it has its its limitations. I think it's a system that's largely tailored toward a very specific operational environment that the Israeli Defense Force is facing. So, um, it, as I said, there are around thirty thousand, or believed to be thirty thousand, rockets and other munitions. In Gaza, um, you have also um, thousands of, 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 of missiles and um, preci uh, well, precision guided munitions and um, un unguided rockets and so forth. Munitions also in southern Lebanon. So it's it's very it's really it's 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 tailored towards intercepting short range uh, projectiles and um, short-range projectiles that are fairly unsophisticated, that is, they're non, not precision-guided or any, anything uh, uh, in, in, that, in that regard. So I think it's very specific to Israel, and other countries can, of course, adopt it, and I think we're definitely going to see a proliferation of air defense systems in the modern and future battle space, just because there are so many more unmanned systems, and artillery is also having a, a comeback um, precision precision fires will increasingly be a problem that all militaries in the world are going to encounter. And it's not really just precision guided munitions. It's also a combination of fairly effective um, reconnaissance missions conducted or surveillance missions conducted by unmanned systems such as drones. And you can link that up with un unguided um, artillery artillery shells that is unguided artillery batteries. And if you combine it, you can get a fairly effective, um, you can hit your target fairly effectively as we have seen also in Ukraine over the last couple of years. So I think generally speaking, these systems, short range air defense systems are gonna be fairly important in the organizational structure of ground forces in the future. So the importance is definitely going to grow. And I think that's also a lesson for European militaries. We need to be investing more, more money into, into acquiring, acquiring short range defense systems that are really directly um, um, attached to ground forces, particularly ground maneuver forces. How maybe politically important is the fact that the Iron Dome is perceived as a huge success, and it is a huge success, as we have been talking about. Uh, but uh, maybe, maybe it somehow also creates uh, creates an atmosphere of of uh, false safety, because as you said, that there are other enemies um, of Israel, like Hezbollah and so on. Uh, they they have a more sophisticated arsenal of of, of rockets, uh, missiles. So do you think? <laughs> This is a little bit of problem that that it, it maybe creates a, a bit of an atmosphere of of false safety. I think you hit it right on the nail. I definitely believe that it creates a veneer of um, security and also shields a, a large chunk of the Israeli population from the consequences of um, its uh, foreign defense policies in the region. And of course, this this leads to a certain disconnect then between the population, the threat that is actually out there, and then the political leadership in Israel. But I think um, the larger point, at least from a military analysis, is that again it shows also the downsides of coming up with sophisticated technical solutions to solve inherent strategic or strategic political problems, because there are obvious limitations to this approach. And the idea that you can solve your political and strategic 
problems by creating technical sophisticated solutions, I don't think is going to work in the long run. So I do see it a bit problematic in the long term if we over rely on these systems or if Israel continues to over rely on the systems because it doesn't really create as much incentives to really change the status quo that is really actively engaged politically with the other side. And I do think it's not a coincidence that the more sophisticated um, defense, uh, air defense systems, missile defense systems have been created in Israel, the less there seems to be a willingness to really negotiate and also try to find a more, um, try to find some sort of accommodation. Of course, I don't want to overemphasize this and I don't think there's a causal relationship or at least, it, you know, I, I, I see, I, I, I don't see it like that, but I do think there is some correlation that I find quite interesting. This was another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. Subscribe, listen on Spotify, Google Podcast, and on the other platforms. Thank you for listening and stay tuned. Mm-hmm.